Sri Jagannath Puri. I'm sending my greetings, affectionate Dandabad to each one of you from India this time, as you can see. So, and as you can see as well, uh, or as you can guess, I'm not uh, sharing this recording live, unfortunately, because of the difference of timings being in India in connection to other countries like the US and some other countries. So, unfortunately, from here on till the rest of our series, I will be sharing our remaining sessions on Brahma Gita in this particular way. So I hope you may forgive me for not being able to be with you live and direct, but somehow or other we are there in spirit. So from the land of three Jagannaths, we are starting today meeting number 19. Our song of the bumblebee. We are in the conclusion conclusion series of lectures, four conclusive lecture today, where we will be studying uh, verses 53 till 60 of chapter 47 of the 10th canto of the Granthara Srimad Bhagavatam. But as usual, let's begin first of all by doing some recap concerning what we studied last Monday. Third conclusive meeting on the Sri Brahma Gita, where we studied verses 38-52, which mostly included Gopi's reply to Krishna's message through Udab. In the previous lecture to that one, we studied the first verse, the first reply of the Gopis, and in the remaining verses uh, of the previous lecture, we studied all the remaining part of their answer. So different gopis speak here from different groups, which basically mean different emotional dispositions are there in each one of the verses. For example, that's very clear from the first verse and in connection to the remaining ones. In the first verse, one gopi from one particular group, more right-wing, if you will, Dakshinaba, which is a more submissive nature, will say, it is good that Kamsa was killed and Krishna is therefore happy living in Mathura, and therefore, if he's happy, his happiness is our happiness. Hmm. So, which kind of, again, connects more with a right and submissive type of gopi. After that, mostly of the other verses will be spoken by different gopis from left-wing groups, if you will. And for example, next one gopi, I will make briefly share this, of course, as usual, not enter into the details. But one of the gopis, in a jealous mode, is imagining how Krishna is reciprocating with the mature ladies and how he's allured by the finesse, finesse, you say, like aristocratic mannerism and gestures. And therefore, the implication is he has forgotten Braj, rustic Braj altogether. So the question will be then, at least does Krishna remember us? When he speaks with those mature ladies about how rustic we are, does he recall, for example, the Rasalila nights that he has with us, he had with us? And basically, when the gopis are asking this, they are suffering extremely, not 
because of their own experience, of their own suffering, because their suffering is not their own, because they are totally immersed in self-forgetfulness. So the suffering is because they know that actually no one in Mathura is able to provide Sri Krishna with the type of Brajabha, the type of pleasure and love that only it is only available in the land of Braj. So that's a real cause for, for their suffering. We know that Krishna is not receiving full service, full comprehensive divine love and pleasure as he used to do in Braj. Then another group of gopis will ask, will Krishna come return to Braj and save us from the forest fire of separation? Why? But why will he come after having obtained a kingdom, a position there, and so many things that before he didn't, he didn't obtain in Braj, but now that he obtained them, who knows if we will, he will be detached from that. Another group of gopis will ask, but who are we to provide something to him who is self-satisfied, who is known as Atmaram? Although we know that on top of that, Krishna is Pararam, or divine, divine dissatisfaction in the context of ever-increasing Prem, especially the Prem of Braj. Then another group of gopis will say, the greatest happiness is to, re is to renounce everything, to embrace a detachment like the prostitute Pingala, but we cannot. We are not able to detach our minds from Krishna, which, which, which they see as their lack of adhikar. We want, but we cannot. Actually, they do not want, and they cannot. And that's why they cannot. <laughs> they are they, they, the whole sense, the whole mind-body complex is totally composed of love for Krishna, love Atmika. And then the gopis start to get immersed into different pastimes of Krishna in Braj, since everything in Braj is Udipana, who is stimulant for the gopis. Earth, water, fire, either, everything is serving Krishna, and therefore everything reminds them of him. Whenever the gopis see a tree, any, any species of animal, a vine, the land, soil, dust, everything is conscious entities totally dedicated for the pleasure of Hari. And especially they find great deepen our stimulant by seeing the footprints of Krishna in Braj. And they express this in these verses, which are preserved even after he went to Mathura. Then other gopis will say on top of that we have his re reminders of his walking, smile, glances, confidential talks with us. All this is impossible to forget. It has created such, such deep and unforgettable scars in us. So finally, the very last verse of the gopis reply to Krishna's message. There the gopis take shelter, if you will, like they did at the end of the Viraha Gita, in Namkirtan, calling him, calling Krishna with many names, many of them connected with Nat, Ramanath, Brajanath, which means master, or master of Sri Radha, or master of Vrindavan, or master of Gokul, Brajanath, please come and save Gokul from the ocean of distress, the whole Gokul is drowning in an ocean of distress. The gopis here are forgetting about themselves and praying to Krishna, please come and save Gokul. Please, your, please come and save your Gokul, your Braj. So today, after this intense reply of the gopis to Krishna's message, we will see Uddhava's reply to this, Uddhava's reaction, not only to the Brahma Gita, he has witnessed first from Sri Radha, but then the second, if you will, Brahmar Gita in the form of the reply of different gopis from different groups to Krishna's message to them. And this reply from Uddhava, which will be consists mostly of six prayers, is also called Uddhavi Gita. 
in the 11th canto of the Bhagavatam we find almost the whole canto is about Krishna instructing Uddhava similar, very similarly to how he instructed Arjuna in the Bhagavad Gita but according to Uddhava's own disposition so this section is called Uddhava Gita in the 11th canto but there, there is the second Uddhava Gita which is the song of Uddhava the six verses that he invokes of course for sure there must be more but these six appear in the Bhagavatam before leaving Braj so this is called Uddhava Gita and today we will start studying the first three of them but before that even we will see some other verses when Sukadeva Goswami takes the word and starts to give some context to the narrative to Raj Pariksit so we will start with the first of the different verses we will see today verse 53 of chapter 47 of the 10th canto so again Sukadeva Goswami takes the lead here and says like this Sukadeva Goswami continues Adoksaya's messages having relieved their fever of separation the gopis then worshipped Uddhava recognizing him as non-different from Krishna so this is an interesting verse an interesting choice of words and names for Krishna Adoksaya we will see the many possibilities of this so here to say that the different messages of Krishna, Adokshaya, relieved the fever of separation from the gopis. And after being thus relieved, the gopikas worshipped Uddhava, recognizing him as non different from Hari, Krishna. So let's see what our commentators have to reveal in this connection. As usual, following the lead of Sanatana Goswami, Silajiva Goswami, Prabhupada, Silasridhar Swami, Vishwanath Chakravarti so Sri Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, his Salartha Darshanik, he says that when out of sorrow the gopis' hopes for Krishna's return grew dim and they became eager for death, Uddhava made them happy by speaking different, very confidential matters. This is the significance of the word Tata. Tata is the first word to this verse, which means then or after that. So indicating something in connection to something that happened just before this. So in, another, in other words, as we will see, Vishwanath will in, in, in suggest that apart from the official messages that Krishna sent to the gopis that are present in the Bhagavatam, there are some other verses which are the ones who finally were able to relieve the gopis. So Sri Vishwanath mentioned that the gopis were relieved of the fire of separation by other messages which were not different from the previous confidential messages. In other words, they were sent by Krishna and shared by Uddhava. So when they hear these messages that are not appearing officially in the Bhagavatam, but we will see that Vishwanachakvartak will reveal through his trance some of them, then the gopis became satisfied. And Vishwanath continues that although Sukadev has not described those messages, one can understand them by the results that they had on the gopis. In other words, here the verse mentions that the gopis had the fever of separation being relieved, which we don't see that was happening in their reply. They, had, they presented towards Krishna's message that we just have, we just summarized and restudied from our previous class. They, they still were totally afflicted by separation and crying out his names and asking him for coming. But suddenly in the next verse, Ukadev Goswami said, the messages of Krishna relieve the fever of separation. So Vishwanath Chakravartakur then concludes some other messages must have been in between. So again, this is the way our Goswamis read the Bhagavatam. 
trying to make sense of every single verse and space between verses and, and reading, making, reading the whole text, studying, relishing, entering into the whole text with an emotional sense of emotional intelligence, if you will, emotional divine common sense. So then Vishwanath Chakravartakur will share some of the, those invisible, in-between-the-line messages. One of them says, Krishna is saying to the gopis according to Sri Vishwanath, O woman, most dear to my life, close your eyes in front of Uddhava, who has been sent by, by me. Just as the coward, coward boys closed their eyes and were delivered from the forest fire, we know that famous pastime. Similarly, you closing your eyes, I will deliver you from the forest fire of separation. Just see my power of yoga. So hearing this, the gopis close their eyes. In a flash of a second, Vishwanath continues, Yogamaya broke forth millions of years of time, and in that expanse of time, Krishna performed his rasa dance, playing dice, drinking liquor, water pastimes and swing pastimes so that the gopis forgot the pain of separation completely. So very, one of the many messages implied this type of experience for the gopis which takes them to be relieved from the pain of separation. Then Vishwanath continues saying, seeing that the gopis were filled with bliss, Uddhava said, now ladies, open your eyes. The gopis opened their eyes and recognized that they had taken a new birth through the bestowal of a thousandfold bliss when they had closed their eyes. It's not that they were reborn literally, but they were on the verge of death, remember, about to die because of separation. So a new birth was conferred on them by the darshan, by the connection, by the vision of Krishna, the experience of Lila with him. And then Vishwanath explains why the name Adokshaya was given here. Adokshaya, which generally means he who is beyond, mind and senses, also can mean Ada, Aksha, Ja. Ada means downward, Aksha means eyes, Ja means birth. So Ada means downward and Aksha means eyes. Putting their eyes downward by closing their eyes, Ja, birth. They have a new birth, as he has just mentioned. That's why the name Adoksaya, according to Sri Vishwanath, is mentioned here. And after this, they worship Uddhava by giving such messages that finally relieve them from the fire separation. Then Vishwanath Chakravartakur cannot contain himself and shares another message from Krishna to the gopis. <laughs> Just in case Krishna sends something else and he says, O woman, filled with prem, if you still are trying to give up your life, just listen. Just in case Krishna sends his message if they go, knowing that the gopis may again fall into an ocean of separation. Do not doubt that hearing of your death I also will give up my life. Swearing a thousand times, I say that you should remain alive. Though I'm trying to go to Braj at every moment, I am unable to go. I fear that it is because of the time, karma, prem, whose characteristics have been explained, or some other obstacle. So Krishna again here shows his empathy towards the experience of the gopis. If you are thinking about dying, the mere news about your death will cause my own death, he's saying. And of course we know nobody will die, nor Krishna nor the gopis. In, in Indian drama, there is no tragedy. There are other rasas that can be experienced, but tragedy is not considered. Because at the end of, at the, end of the day, 
Everything is lila, one form of another, one type of lila or another. So there is no need of tragedy, if you will. Hmm? So Krishna mentions to them, somehow or other, um, although you have experienced union with me in the aprakat prakash, remember these terms, in the invisible dimension where there is permanent union, even on the prakat prakash, or the manifest dimension of Bhoma Vrindavan, I'm trying over and over again to get rid of this bureaucracy and diplomatic stuff in Mathura and join you. But somehow or other, different obstacles are coming in my way. But believe me, I am on my way there. As, as we know, and as we know, that will happen. Krishna eventually will return to Brahma. And he exp- expresses himself in terms that may sound weird. Because of time or karma, I cannot join you. And you say, how, how he's tied to karma. Of course, Krishna is not tied to karma. Krishna is not tied to time. He's per- time personified. But he's executing his Nara Lila. His human-like drama on earth. So in this way, both he and the gopis of Raj sometimes behave, express themselves as if they were, again, conditioned souls and civilized village people, which all of which gives this flavor of humanity that, in, amongst other advantages, creates this emotional bond with us humans on earth and allow us to enter this transhuman, trans-psychological, trans-emotional reality of the Vrajalila. So Vishwanath continued mentioning that by such messages, like the ones we have shared, the pain of separation of the gopis, which was caused by their thinking that Krishna had no love for them, was totally dissolved. Because they realized Krishna is loving us, he's suffering as we are suffering for him, he's trying to return. And here the word Atmanam has different meanings. Not only they they saw Uddhav as Krishna himself, of course not in a in personalist way, but because of how much Krishna manifested himself through Uddhav in the form of through Uddhav's words, through the message that Uddhav was bearing. But also Atmanam can mean that the gopis recognize Krishna as similar to themselves, in the sense that Krishna is also himself afflicted by pain of separation, as the gopis are. There is a corresponding experience of both sides. The gopis are having full experience of this here. Or also the word Atmanam, can mean that the gopis recognize Krishna as their very life. Atma, Anam. Atma means own here, and Anam means breath or pran. He's their praneshwar, their pranath. Adokshaya here can mean also the owner of all of their senses. As we know, the gopis, especially the gopis, especially those in Madhurya Bab, Parakya Bab, their offering to Krishna is in the form of their own bodies and senses in the context of romantic. Seva. So the, the name Adokshaya is pretty much uh, proper here as well. So after this, again, they worship Uddhav. So the gopis say, according to Vishwanath at the end of his purport, Uddhav, you have spoken well. Even though it is difficult for us, we will remain alive. If you had not given this message, we would have died, and everything would have been destroyed. You have done a good act by fulfilling our desire to protect everyone, and thus we worship you. So the gopis worship Uddhav, appreciate the message of Krishna, remain alive somehow, others struggling by having these different realizations connected to Krishna, and show their gratitude, saying, without this reassurance you have given us, or Krishna has given us through you, we will have died. And if we die, the whole branch dies. If Radha dies, the whole, all the gopis die, and all the branch, all Vrindavan will die. Mm-hmm. 
And, and we have been praying, as we remember in the previous class, praying for Krishna, please come and save your Gokul. So by sharing us this message, you have protected everyone here in Braj. And therefore, we worship you. <clears throat> Srila Jiva Goswami on another side, in his Krishna Sandarva, he has quoted this section and analyzed some of its verses. He mentions that the gopis, instead of realizing Uddhava as not different from Krishna, as one of the overt meanings of the verse imply, Jiva Goswami mentions that the gopis realize themselves and Krishna in precise correspondence with the manner in which they had been instructed by him. What does this mean, basically? That the gopis realize themselves and Krishna as situated, as united in the Aprakat Prakash, in the state of eternal union, what we have just experienced, explained before. Permanent union, the invisible dimension, they have this realization and therefore their agony was over. And it is for this reason, basically, It is for this reason, basically. This meeting is being recorded. So, <clears throat> it is for this reason, basically. Sorry, I had one problem with the recording here. That Uddhava informed the gopis prior to reading Krishna's letter that this message that he was about to give. This he said in verse 28 before give, giving the message. He said to them, "This letter will bring you delight," because he knew, eventually, or he didn't know, maybe, but Krishna knew. <laughs> And Uda had full faith in what, what Krishna knew. So he knew, by the gopis reading Krishna's letter, that will bring them delight. They will, their reading, their hearing this message will converge in the realization of their permanent union in the Haprakat Prakash. Because besides their, the gopis' awareness of eternal union, it is said that nothing else could have brought consolation to the gopis' hearts. And Srila Jiva Goswami concludes, on his own, I said, mentioning the name, explaining the name Adokshaya from yet another perspective, mentioning that this name Adokshaya, which generally means he who lies beyond the perception of the senses, therefore, in connection to the constant union of Krishna and the gopis in the Aprakat Prakash, Adokshaya can mean here then, can be taken as an indirect reference to Krishna within the Aprakat Prakash, which is itself beyond the range of perception, is the invisible dimension. Krishna being there, united with the gopis. So, let's go to the following verse. Verse 54. Sukadev Goswami continues his narrative to Raj Pariksit. He says, Uda remained there in Vrindavan for several months, dispelling the gopis' sorrow by chanting the topics of Sri Krishna's pastimes. Thus, he brought joy to all the people of Gokul. So Srila Sanatan Goswami Pad in his own Brihad Vaishnav Toshani commentary, he mentions that Uddhav stayed in Braj for several months, sharing Krishna's messages to each inhabitant of Gokul and making them happy by it. He mentioned that approximately Uddhav remained in Vrindavan for 10 to 11 months, so almost a year, experiencing great blissful chamatkar or astonishment, which is described as the essence of rasa. Rasa sara chamatkar. Even though for Uddhava this meant that he had to be separated from the lotus feet of Sri Krishna. And Krishna was dearer to Uddhava than, than billions of, more than billions of his life errors, sometimes it is described. 
So how was Uddhav able to deal with separation from Krishna so much time? Well, by having darshan of the bhakti, of the, by the love of the prem of the Brajavasis. And by, by finding Krishna in the prem of the Brajavasis. Remember, Krishna is there most present when there is prem for there. There's no place where there is more prem for Krishna than in Braj. So by discovering this prem of Braj, Uddhav was also rediscovering Krishna. Knowing, getting to know a new side of Krishna that was unknown to him outside of Braj and Mathura and so on. So in this way, Uddhava was able to stay without Krishna, if you will, but finding Krishna in a more comprehensive way in the company of the Brajabhasis during this almost one year Brajabhas residence in Braj. Sri Lajiva Goswami, on another side, he comments that Uddhava went to the Brajabhasis every day in the morning to visit them like a doctor, destroying the disease to, the, of separation to make them understand Krishna's instructions, Krishna's messages, which were shared not only to the gopis, but to every inhabitant species in Vrindavan. Jiva Goswami clarifies further this saying that it is understood that Nanda and Jashoda also received instruction and they had their grief dispelled and all the other people in Braj, including animals, plants, all of them also perceived Krishna's purti manifestation as his direct presence. And they all sang about Krishna's pastimes. And all of them were satisfied. The whole of Raj mm, was brimming with joy. Mm, mm. And therefore they became blissful as if they were directly pleasant during the purity of his pastimes. Mm. So basically here is the, this verse of the Bhagavatam is showing how, why mm, the gopi's sorrow was dispelled and the, all the people of Raj was full with joy. Why? Because they perceive Krishna's presence in Braj. That's the only thing that can bring joy to them and that, they, that can dispel their distress. So basically that's the implication of this verse without mentioning what happened by mentioning their, display, their distress was dispelled, all of them were fully joyous, and of course the implication is, was the reason for that, that through that they were able to find Krishna, feel Krishna present by visiting the different places as we will see and recalling and entering into the Leela and having visions of Krishna, engaging in those Leelas with them there. Hmm. Let's continue with the next verse, 55. Hmm. It says, All the days that Uddhav dwelt in Nanda's covered village seemed like a single moment to the residents of Raj, for Uddhava was always discussing Krishna. So another verse which further uh, clarifies this notion by, in this case, mentioning how, which was the subjective experience of the Brajavasis in the company of Uddhava, how time passed to them. Now, one year passed as a single moment, which we know in, indicates deep joy. When we are experiencing something very blissful, time passes quickly, runs. And when we are experiencing something very distressful, one second is like a yuga or something. Many verses in Shastra describe this. Hmm? So, Another way, indirect way in which Sukadeva is narrating, implying the degree of joy that the Brajavasis were experiencing. Sri Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur comments in this connection, how did time pass in a moment in Uddhava's presence? The name Uddhava means extreme bliss. Remember, Uddhava means it's connected with the idea of Utsava, Utsava, of festival. So therefore, 
Udab, the mere presence of Udab, the very name of Udab mentioned in this verse implies the festival that the Brajavasis were experiencing. And besides this, Krishna had also empowered Uddhava with the capacity to bestow bliss on others. So he himself is bliss personified by his very name, Uddhava. And on top of that, Krishna empowered Uddhava for his mission in Braj to be able to dispel their distress and bestow bliss to all of them. So that was happening now. All of Vrindavan was experiencing union with Sri Krishna. And therefore, this verse mentions and Vishwanath comments, Time passed in a moment for the Brajavasis, who felt extreme happiness in the association of Uddhav, bliss personified. <clears throat> Let's go to verse 56. Still, Sukadev Goswami continues to elaborate on the experience of Uddhav and the Brajavasis. Till now, he was describing mostly the experience of the Brajavasis, how they felt in Uddhava's association. And, and, and by experiencing different types of spurti and the presence of Krishna there. Now, there is a shift and the, con- the, the, the emphasis will be connected in how uh, Uda hmm, felt himself in the association of the Brajabhasis and by being able to render some service to them, to, to, to express the mission that Krishna has given to them. So verse 56 says like this, That servant of Lord Hari, seeing the rivers, forests, mountains, valleys, and flowering trees of Raj, enjoyed inspiring the inhabitants of Vrindavan by reminding them of Sri Krishna. So now the focus is how Uddhava is feeling happy and fulfilled by being able to inspire the Brajavasis, by being able to make his mission a success. And one of the indicators here that all of the Vrindavan again was happy and blossoming is it is speaking of flowering trees of Raj. Mm-hmm. He saw the flowering trees, which means they were Vrindavan is experiencing union with Krishna because without the experience of union, the trees are not flowering. The vines are not flowering. Anything and nothing is flowering in Vrindavan. Everything is on the contrary, not flowering and dying in separation. So by saying the flowering trees of Raj implies the flowering everything, the flowering rivers and forests and mountains and hearts of Raj. So by seeing this simultaneous blossoming and flowering, Uda found so much inspiration. Hmm? Srila Sridhar Swami in this connection comments that as Uddhava was wandering about in Raj, he reminded hmm, the residents of Vrindavan of Krishna by asking them different questions about the pastimes of, of Krishna. And which pastimes Krishna performed in each one of the lila stalas, in each one of the places for different lilas, in the rivers, in the forests, in the mountains, in the valleys, there is no place left unexplored by Krishna in Braj. So in every single spot of Vrindavan, there is some lila to tell, basically. There is something to connect in relation to Krishna. So in this way, Uda himself experienced great ananda, not only the Brajavasis, but Uda himself great ananda in their association. By doing this Rajamandal Parikram, interestingly, nowadays we, we know of Rajamandal Parikram, which basically implies visiting the different lila stalis, spots for pastimes, and narrating the particular lila happening there. So when Uddhava here is going to Vrindavan and doing this Parikram with the Brajavasis, here this, the original 
Braja Mandal Parikram is performed. The standard for what we know today as Braja Mandal Parikram is established here by Udav, being shown the different places of pastime by the Brajavasis. Or sometimes we will see or we will hear that not only the Brajavasis were telling Udav about the different places and he was learning from them, but then Udav sometimes after learning from them will reshare those pastimes with the Brajavasis or Krishna himself in the distance will inspire Udav with visions of the different lilas enacted in each spot. And he himself was again empowered and able to share different pastimes and share that kata to the Brajavasis and thus nourish them. Srila Jiva Goswami in his commentary mentions something very interesting regarding the term Sam Smarayam, which appears in this verse. Smara means remembrance, and Sam means Samyak or complete. So Jiva Goswami mentions that Sri Udav Mahasai made the Brajabhasis remember Krishna completely. So what does, what's the meaning of that? Because they already remember Krishna completely at every moment 24-7. So this means smara, Sam Smarayam complete remembrance means that Udav made Krishna appear directly before uh, to the Brajavasis in front of the Brajavasis. They experienced direct presence and contact mm, with Krishna by absorption mm, in his Lila. And therefore Udav was satisfied. So this absorption in Lila is very crucial. Mm, this usage of our mind to, to, to visualize mm, what's going on. Actually, we ourselves on some level or another, should engage in this form of smaran. With smaran, there's place for imagination, interestingly. There's, if one thing is imagination, another thing is mental speculation. So we should uh, have a disciplined imagination, I would say, contextualized imagination, according to what we hear from Shastra, according to the parameters that Revelation is giving to us. We have, there is place for imagining, to letting ourselves visualize what we are hearing about, in the context of what we are hearing about from Revelation, and try to feel something through those things that we are visualizing. And that's a crucial part of Smaran, the different types of Smaran that Raga Bhakti is about. On the, on the other side, mental speculation has to be with fantasy and wishful thinking without any Shastric parameter. So it's important to make this point here for us as Raganuga Sadakas. There is place for discipline, contextualized imagination in the context of visualizing whatever Shastra is telling to us. So in this way, Uddhava was and the Brajavasis went to the banks of the ponds in Braj, into the woods, to the mountain caves, exploring all these different spots and seeing the blossoming trees, the blossoming vines, the blossoming Braj. And Uddhava sang to the Brajavasis about the particular pastimes that Krishna had performed in such a way that the Brajavasis were thinking that these pastimes and Krishna himself directly appear before their eyes. That's the ultimate upgraded expression and experience of Parikram. Not only I'm walking and visiting a place doing tourism, geographically moving here and there, but it's an internal moving that eventually converges into a vision and a participation of those things we are hearing about. Again, because of this is so crucial to have a proper sense of imagination regarding our smarana, our sravana, what we hear about, how that takes shape in our mind. In this way, Uta was taken by gopis and gopas in Braj and Parikram, hearing Lilakata about Krishna, about each of the pastimes that Krishna enacted in each one of the different spots in Braj, 
And it is said that Uddhava at this point was crying profusely, experiencing a new type of love in connection to the one he already had. Of course, as we know, it's not that he became a Brajabhasi per se. Here he's a Nitya Siddha and he has a Staivab permanent mood towards Krishna. But somehow he's a very unique case of a Nitya Siddha having a permanent mood. And that permanent mood somehow becomes upgraded by association with the Brajavasis. He doesn't become a Brajavasi himself, but his own bhava for Krishna becomes, let's say, ornamented, sweet and nourished in the association of the Brajavasis, as, as he will pray, as we will see next class, to be further uh, affected by the intensity of the love of the gopis, which doesn't mean he wants to become a gopi himself, but he wants to imbibe the, some level of the passionate feelings she has for he had, they have for him. So in this way, Uddhava was just like totally ecstatic and wandering for a year in Braj, like an intoxicated person, like a drunkard. Remember in the, in the very beginning of the Brahma Gita, verse 1 of the Brahma Gita, Sri Radha is criticizing the bumblebee for a minute. We go back to connect with this. She's criticizing the bumblebee as calling him Madhupa, which means a drunkard. And Krishna is also, she says, a, 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 a Madhusudan. Another bumblebee, another, another drunkard. You are, you are the servant of a master who is a drunkard. The two of them, birds of the same feather, flock together. And Uda was witnessing all that, shocked by this. But now Uda, after hearing the kata from Shirad and the Brajavasi, after having their sangha, by hearing him, he himself became a drunkard. And now he's wandering in Braj for one year, totally intoxicated by having drunk the wine of the Brajavasi's prem, basically. Like a bumblebee, taking the nectar here and there, visiting the different spots of the Krishna's exploits in Braj, buzzing, if you will, like a bumblebee here and there in Braj for almost a year. Like coming and going up and down, falling, Pivata Bhagavatam Rasamalaya, falling to the ground, drunk, like a drunkard. So he himself now has have gone through particular empathy regarding what he was hearing about to be at the beginning. And then Sukadev Goswami continues one more verse from Sukadev before going to Uddhava's official prayers. Thus, seeing how the gopis were always disturbed because of their total absorption in Krishna, Uddhava was supremely pleased, desiring to offer them all respect, he sang as follows. So, of course, when he says the gopis were always disturbed, doesn't mean this, this doesn't mean negative sense, but disturbed by the constant invasion of different ecstasies that came from their experiencing the union with Krishna. And Uddhava was supremely pleased, remember. The pleasing of Uddhava is connected to the joy of the Brajavasis, mission successful. So, desiring to, offer, to say something in connection to the darshan he just had, the darshan of the gopis prem, he presented the song which is called Udab Gita. But before going to that, some, of course, words regarding this verse. So, Srila Jiva Goswami mentions that <coughs> all, all the different people of Vrindavan hmm, had an extraordinary prayer. Hmm. Sri Udab is showing that the Gopis developed the most astonishing type of bhakti. Hmm. <coughs> Again, there is some subjective superiority that every devotee will experience as being the highest thing. But objectively speaking, we will see how Uddhava here 
especially praises the Gopi's Prem as the topmost uh, achievement. So seeing Jiva Goswami, seeing the condition of the Gopis, Uddhava sang the following six verses, famous six verses, which are known as Uddhava Gita. And there Uddhava is praising the Gopis with a sweet voice, with full absorption. And every day, coming and going, to say that Uddhava remaining at some distance, remain at some distance from the Gopis and he will sing. In other words, he will not get too close to them by some reverence he felt towards their love. So this is a similar idea to what Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta said in his famous poetry. We are to worship the path of Raghavakti with reverence. It's not that the Raghavakti in itself, the path of Raghavakti is reverential. But we are to approach such a path of intimate, informal and deepest love with certain degree of reverence. We are to approach the depth the charm, the sweetness, the integrity of such a path with certain grat- gratitude and appreciation from a distance. To properly appreciate that and not misunderstand that. And the more we do that properly, the more that the, the, the reverence will be breached. Well, the gap will disappear and we will be thrown into that world and become one of them, fall properly following the footsteps of the inhabitants of Vrindavan in every sense of the term, following the ragatmikas. Hmm? So somehow Udav is showing that point here, offering reverence and pranam in this series of verses in this Udava Gita, offering reverence to the passionate love of the gopis, establishing this important standard of what's Raghunova Bhakti about. Sila Sridhar Swami, in his own commentary, Bhavarta Deepika, he mentions that Udava, it is said that he will sing this Gita song. So generally you don't sing in loud voice, but it's in, in, you don't sing, sorry, in, in soft voice, but in loud voice. So Sridhar Swami mentions here that Uddhava spoke loudly to show that it was not improper for one of Kshatriya birth, like him, to pay obeisances to mere cowherd girls. In other words, to show that the gopis are not mere cowherd girls, but as we will see, they achieve the highest possible attainment for any living entity. So he's mentioning this in full voice, if you will. He wants to make this point clear. And that's, remember, one of the reasons why Krishna sent Uddhava, not any other person, to Vrindavan. Because Uddhava was already famous as a great scholar, pandit, devotee. He had all good qualities. So if someone like him loudly and clearly proclaims the ultimate glory of the Gopi's love, that then must be taken seriously as a fact. Mm-hmm. So that's why he will tell all this singing in loud voice. So the whole world, us included, can appreciate and hear his points. And Srila Sanatana Goswami, before going to the first verse of the Uddhava Gita, he commends saying that desiring, he, he offers a very nice prayer here, glorifying Uddhava, trying to enter into the following verses. So we join him into this prayer as well. So he says, desiring to understand the meaning of his words, of Uddhava's words, I surrender to excellent Uddhava, the best of the devotees who understood the greatness of the gopis. So, of course, we will see that Uddhava is the best of the devotees, but he's praising the gopis as the best of the devotees. So, it's another way of saying he's the best of the devotees because he was able to recognize who are the best of the devotees, the Braja Gopikas in this case. So, because of his solid, own solid reputation as a very exalted Vaishnava, Uddhava's testimony that the bhakti of the gopis is supremely supreme, basically, is extremely credible. 
And again, that's an important point Krishna wants to make. And Krishna himself, it is said that when he left this manifest world, he closed his lila, he asked to Uddhava, please remain on earth for some time and spread what I have talked to you. So ultimately, he's asking Uddhava, this is the highest point and converging point of what Krishna is wanting to teach to Uddhava. So he's asking Uddhava, remain in this world and spread this, this experience you have had in Braj, basically. So, that's it. We will go to the first verse. Where of the six verses, today we'll, we will see three of these six verses that make the Uddhava Gita, the sixfold prayer of Uddhava. So the first verse is verse 58. I will, I will recite them in Sanskrit in this case, since they are very special and beautiful. Um, some time back I have given some series of lectures, but I think only in Spanish, uh, of these six verses, I'm spending one class per verse trying to give a more comprehensive explanation. These verses are quoted also by Srila Sanatana Goswami at the end of his Brihad Bhagavatamrita when he is presenting a compilation of verses from the Bhagavatam about the glories of Gopi Bhav, and of course these six verses are selected. So, let's begin with the first one. It says like this. Sri Yudhav says, singing with tears in his eyes, Among all persons on earth, these coward women alone have actually perfected their embodied lives, for they have achieved the perfection of unalloyed love for Govinda. Their pure love is hankered after by those who fear material existence, by great sages, and by ourselves as well. For one who has tasted the narrations of the infinite Lord, what is the use of taking birth as a high-class Brahmana, or even as Lord Brahma himself? So again, this, beautiful, this verse is very beautiful and contains many points, conclusive points of our Siddhanta, of Faraga Bhakti, for the supremacy of Raja Bhakti as the ultimate conclusion that the Bhagavatam wants to bestow. So, we will share some of the main ideas here. So here Uddhava is declaring that the gopis are greater than all aspirants for liberation, greater than all of the ones who attain liberation, self-realization, and even greater than all of the other devotees of Bhagavan. And he's saying, only the gopis or, or this goddess of fortune, goddesses of fortune, who reside in the cover village of Nanda Maharaj, have realized the full potential of human life. So, if there is some ultimate reach that the Atma can attain, embodied in the human form, that is what the gopis have attained. That's Buddha's own experience. Of course, for, with this, as usual, we don't want to engage in racism, to be, to be racist in the context of rasa, claiming this is the only thing, the highest thing, and that's all. But as we always say, objectively speaking, there is a hierarchy established in our Shastra, which Mahaprabhu himself mentioned as well. <clears throat> and Gopi Bhav, Radha Dasyam, is considered like the highest reach for, as potential for a Jiva on an objective level. But as we know, due to Bhakti Samskars, 
every devotee will feel that their relationship with Krishna is the best, subjectively speaking, and every one of them will be right. Hmm? So yes, the gopis' attainment is the highest, it's the sweetest, but not everyone likes sweet that much. So <laughs> even though mango is the sweetest fruit, someone may like more whatever, bananas or apples. So subjectively speaking, one's own affinity due to previous bhakti samskaras is the best. But objectively speaking, Uddhav is making this important point here to highlight the transcendence of the gopis love, which may seem as something ordinary. So here the words Tano Brito Bhubi or perfecting their lives on earth. Of course, some, most of the gopis here are Nitya Siddhas. They do not need to attain perfection, but also some of them may be Sadhana Siddhas. That, that idea may be applicable to them, but also this idea can be understood in another way yet. And it's that by sharing the rare gift of Prem Bhakti, the gopis are delivering the fallen conditional souls on this earth. In other words, as we mentioned before, by they themselves as ragatmikas, establishing a precedent, giving an example to follow to the people of this world, they establish the possibility of this Raganuga Bhakti, which is about following the ragatmikas, the personifications of Raga. So by the gopis giving darshan, testimony of their own bhakti, they are spreading in this world the blessing for all the human beings who would like to thread the path of following in the footsteps. In this way, they are perfecting our lives on earth, allowing us to perfect our lives on earth as Raganuga Sadakas. Sri Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, in his own commentary, mentions, mentions that Uddhav is singing here that the gopis alone perfected their lives by achieving Ruda Baba. The word Ruda Baba here means the highest type of Mahababa, actually. Which is, a, which is desired by those who strive for liberation, pavabhyo, by those who are actually liberated, monayo, and Uddhav says, but devotees such as me, by Amcha. All of us know about that, but we cannot attain that for one reason or another. Like implying, this is not an easy thing, an ordinary attainment, even though it may seem ordinary, supra, extraordinary. And of course here Uddhav in this verse and the rest of the other ones, this first verse kind of established, gives some context to the remaining ones, sense and precedence. Uddhav considers himself here to be just a sincere servant of Krishna who can only admire the Kopi's Prem from some distance, as we mentioned. Some reverence is there. He doesn't feel, I can enter into the shoes of the Raja Gopikas. This is too high for me. He experiences this humility. He's not rushing where angels fear to tread. No? So we should also draw important lessons from all this. This is not a cheap attainment. Even if we have an attraction in that direction, we should put ourselves in the humblest possible position in front of the highest possible ideal. Krishna is described here as Nikilatma, which means the soul, Atma of Nikila, of all. So that can, of course, in a general way, means his Bhagavan, the absolute Paramatma in every heart. But here, Nikiladma means that each gopi cherishes, cherishes, cherishes Krishna as their, as their very life and soul in the way that other devotees cannot imitate. So again, even the name of, that is chosen for Krishna here actually is speaking about the gopis, love for him. That's the mood in which Buddha is singing and praying here. So the way the gopis cherish him, embrace him with their entire self, other devotees are, it's not present in other devotees. That's the Uddhava's particular insect here, ecstatic revelation. 
Srilajiva Goswami, on his side, mentions that in this verse, first verse of Dudav Gita, he's showing that the gopis are possessed of the most excellent Mahabhav-like bodies. So they do not only have Mahabhav, they are Mahabhav. They do not have Prem, they are Prem. They are Ragatmika. Their own self, their own mind-body complex is constituted of Raga, of Mahabhav, of Prem. So their body and soul became one. Or, or in the, all of them are constituted of Mahabhav. So they should not, they should not be disrespected, say Sri Jiva, for being women. They shouldn't be just seen as ordinary village girls. But they are the ultimate personifications of the highest type of love. And he says, so what to speak of their bhavas? Just having news about, hearing news about them is desired by those desire in liberation and those already liberated. Sukadev Goswami being one prime example in this connection. Atmaram, Atmaram Achamunayo. Those who are beyond the entanglement of this world, they are attracted to hearing news about them, to Harikata. And then the last line of this verse, Kim Brahmajan Mabir for one who has a taste for narrations of Bhagavan, of the infinite Lord, Anantakata means narrations about Ananda, his who is unlimited, or unlimited narrations about the unlimited Lord, basically. Because he is unlimited, there is unlimited things we can say about him. So if someone has a rasa, a taste for these narrations, Kim Brahmajan Mahavir, what's the, mean, the, the meaning of being born as a high-class Brahmana. The words Brahma can mean Brahmana or even can mean Brahmas, we will see. Or without that special power, such bodies cannot be attained even by being born as Brahmanas. So if you have a taste, what's the purpose of being a Brahmana? And if you don't have that taste, you cannot reach the stance of the, stance of the gopis just by being born as a Brahmana. Srila Sanatana Goswami Pad, he comments further here, in this line, last line, what is the use of Brahma's birth, the highest possible birth on the material experience? What's the use of Brahma's birth, his form, his mentality, for someone who has a taste for Anandakata? Totally despicable. And plural is used also in this verse by Uddhava to express respect. Sometimes when you speak about one person, and if you speak in plural to that one person, it implies reverence towards that one person. So again, another way in which Buddha is showing his reverence. Or, Sanatana Goswami says, this means plural to indicate the totality of the gopis who have this type of bow. Or, Sanatana Goswami then continues, what is the use of Brahma's birth without such bhava? What's the purpose of being born as Brahma if you don't, cannot attain this type of bhava? If you are a Brahma who doesn't have a rasa for these topics... So the conclusion basically someone has no interest in Anantakata, what kind that what can that person gain by taking birth as the creator of the universe, as Brahma? And if you are born as Brahma, what will you do what would do that in regard to increasing one state for Anantakata? Being born as Brahma is not warranted that it will bestow you Anantakataras. Indeed, another idea for Brahma, apart from being a born a Brahmana or as Brahma, Brahma can also refer to uh, Vedic knowledge here. Mm -hmm. And what is the implication there? 
that the person who has full realization of Ananta Katara Sasya, like the Prajavasis and the Gopis, such a person has nothing to gain from Vedic study, theoretical knowledge, Sankhya-like knowledge, like spirit is distinct from matter, all these Upanishadic abstract statements. And for someone who has no Ananta Katara Sasya, what is the use of Vedic knowledge? Basically, that's the idea. If you have taste for Anantakata, what's the meaning of this Vedic statement? If you have no taste for Anantakata, what is the use of this Vedic statement? <laughs> In ecstasy, Uda, who is a great knower of Vedic statements, is saying this here. Hmm? Mahaprabhu himself mentioned, Srotam api Upanishadam Dureharikatamrita. These sounds of the Upanishad, Tattvamasi, Ahamramasmi, these abstract statements, lay far away from where Sri Harikata, the Bhagavatam, which describes the emotions of the Brajavasis, from which Harikata can take us, Anantakata. So, uh, Sanatana Goswami concludes that indeed a Rasika Bhakta will consider to be born as Brahma, going back again to the idea of Brahma as the creator of the universe, they consider being born as Brahma as an obstacle to cultivate the taste for Anantakata because a birth like Brahma carries the possibility of various distractions, such as becoming proud of being Brahma, which we know that happened. The Bhagavatam made that very clear. <laughs> and therefore the gopis, Sanatana Goswami says, intent on tasting the honey from the Sri Govinda's lotus feet. They will rather be born as simply daughters, daughters of cowherds, than as such as exalted being of Lord Brahma. So over and over again the Bhagavatam is making this point. It's not so important to be born as a Brahmana, to be born as Brahma himself, even to embrace Vedic knowledge, if this is not converging into this idea of Nantakatara Sasya. Tapum Virdhyashastra, Balmasrama Vibhagasa, Sanustitasya Dharmasya, Samsidir Haritosha. The ultimate converging point of Balmasrama is Harikata. And the ultimate point of being Brahma is surrender, put our feet, our head to the feet of the Brajavasa. It happens in the Brahma, happened in the Brahma Vimohan Lila. And the ultimate converging point of all Vedic knowledge is Braj, Harikata. Let's go to the second verse of this six from the Uddha Gita. Prima Sri Yogana Chirir Vyavichara Dushna Krishna Kachaisa Paramatma Nirudha Bhava Nanveshwaru Nubhajato Vidusho Pishakshat Shri Asana Dhyagada Raja Yogupa Jukta Udhav says, verse 59 How amazing it is that this simple woman who wandered about the forest seemingly spoiled by improper behavior, have achieved the perfection of unalloyed love for Krishna, the Supreme Soul. Still, it is true that the Supreme Lord Himself awards His blessings even to an ignorant worshipper, just as the best medicine works even when taken by a person ignorant of its ingredients. So another interesting and very ecstatic declaration by Uddha with lots of implications to unpack. First of all, we will clarify the most uh, maybe controversial notion here, which is the expression he uses, Vyavichara Dusta. 
good journalists translated that someone refers to someone corrupted by deviation. So he's speaking about the gopis in that context, some adulterous woman, but he, he uses the idea in such a way with irony. No, so seemingly they seem to be corrupted in this context of parakiya. So Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur will immediately, and all of our acharyas quickly, <laughs> clarify what's the intent of Uddhava here. So Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur first mentioned that there are three types of adulterous women, or Vyavicharadusta, ladies corrupted by deviation. The first one is she who enjoys both her husband and the lover, which is the most condemned of all the three cases by Shastra and society and sadhus. The second is the lady that abandons her husband to enjoy only with her lover. Although, of course, both, both society and Shastra also condemn such behavior, at least it may be said, Vishwanath mentions, that that lady has the good quality of dedicating herself to one single man. So it's a little, a little bit less inauspicious, if you will. And the third case, the highest one, and the one that the gopis belong to, this category is the lady who abandons her husband and enjoys in the attitude of being a lover of Krishna. And it is say, Vishwanath mentioned that all the foolish people criticize this. Such behavior is glorified by Shastra and Sadhus. While the other two are condemned by Shastra and Sadhus, the third one is glorified by them. So in this work, Vyavichara Dusta indicates like apparent resemblance between the gopi's behavior and that of ordinary adulterous women, while there is an ocean of difference between the two. That's how Parakya hides himself. The highest, most sacred and deep love hides itself in, in disguise, in the disguise of apparently adulterous love. Interestingly, Srila Jiva Goswami, in connection to the expression Vyavichara Dusta, he says that the word Vyavichara here actually does not refer to a prostitute or to a degraded lady, but to the Vyavichari Bhavs that the gopis express, that we have seen all along these different songs, such as MB and so on, all of which appear in Purakiyaba. So Vyavichara Dusta in this case refers to those ladies expressing Vyavichari Bhavs like the gopis do in Purakiyaba. Srila Sanatana Goswami, on his side, he mentions that in, in, in verse 61, that we will see next class, but in that verse, famous verse, in verse 61, Uddhav aspires for the gopi's love. As we mentioned, not to be a gopi himself, but to be imbibed by the intensity of their love. Since Uddhav is aspiring for that, it is unsuitable that he calls the gopis Vyavichara Dusta or contaminated with bad conduct here. And of course, in the previous verse, he also praised them. They attained the highest possible reach of human life and so on. So there has to be another meaning. Because it is not possible for such ladies to be degraded. Actually, they are worthy of the highest respect, he said. So therefore, the meaning is this, says Sanatana Goswami. And he applies the meaning. The Sanskrit is applicable to Uddhava, not to the gopis. And Uddhava is saying, what use are persons like me who are contaminated by not doing proper actions? In other words, he's comparing the stance, the situation, the standing of the gopis and his own. And Uddhava cannot but condemn himself, if you will, by contrast. And Sanatan continues the Prabhu saying that it is obviously with irony that Uddhava speaks these words here. Like, oh, it's so surprising that these degraded ladies, I mean, he's not, of 
course, speaking to them as such, using this irony to increase the intensity of his expression. He himself here considers himself unqualified to have the company of the gopis. He feels, I have achieved the association of them only when they, I deserve mercy of Sri Krishna. His causeless grace took me here. Now Uddhav starts to fully realize more and more, which was the purpose of Krishna sending him to Braj. He's gradually discovering more and more this mission, that Krishna not only had four Uddhava in relation to the gopis, but for the Brajavadis in relation to Uddhav. So Uddhav, by realizing all these feelings and seeing such darshan of love, feels himself so small that, according to him, compared to the gopis, Uddhav feels himself especially fallen. And here he's not referring to the, another way in which Uddhav is showing reverence for the gopis. Is he's not referring to the gopis directly here by saying the gopis, by calling them by name, by using the word imaha which means these ladies, this woman. So indirectly, speech in this case also indicates the awe and reverence he's feeling in the presence of the Gopi's Bhav, the Gopi's friend. Also, before going to the last verse we'll see today, here in this verse the Gopi's are described as roamers of the forest, like mad women who are wandering in the wilderness of the woods, if you will. <laughs> So it may seem despective again, no? But actually he's using these terms in a particular way, contrasting again, their standing with his. In other words, the, goal, the intense love that the gopists have for Krishna impels them to wander about the Vrindavan forest, where so many of the pastimes of Krishna are taking place, attracted by that, even when he's not there, if when they are attracted in that direction, to read to recall of the different lilas, recollect in their mind. And in the agony of separation from Krishna, as we know, the gopis are living in the most secluded part of the Vrindavan forest. They are wandering in the impossible wilderness. And in comparison to the extreme condition and the extreme disposition of the gopis, Uddhava looks at himself and says, my life is nothing like that of the gopis. I'm male, I live in a, bust, in a bustling metropolis, where my residence is fixed, I enjoy all comforts there, and therefore I am unfit to wander about the Vrindavan forest like the gopis do. He feels I am proud of knowing philosophically who Krishna is in Tattva and Siddhanta, but therefore I cannot gain the topmost treasure, which is the gopis' love for Krishna, this Gyansunyavakti, where they are not aware about Krishna's divinity by seeing him in terms of intimate affection. In Vrindavan, that's the standard. Say Mora Putra, say Mora Sakha, say Mora Pranapati. That's the standard. He's my son, he's my friend, he's the Lord, the lover, my lover, the Lord of my life. So, this is a teaching for us as well. We are, we are not the gopis and we are not Uddha either. But we may be attached to so many things that actually, at present, do not allow us to fully thread this ragamar. And we should think which adjustments we have to continue doing to our life in order to properly, in some increasing level, be more able to thread this path. So Uda, with full humility, <coughs> he's judging himself as a most fallen wretch in comparison to the Gopi. So in a healthy, sustainable way, gradually, this type of experiences should come to us as well. To, con to contrast and compare 
our present condition with that of the ideal we want to follow and feel deep humility, not to the point of being discouraged and believing the path of together, <laughs> but to follow and properly appreciate that with the proper, again, irreverence, and in such a way that that will create, paradoxically, an increased attraction to thread that path. That's, that's a proper combination of being feeling ourselves falling, but having greed at the same time. Apanya jokya deki tatapi Rupa and Sanatan say that when they saw Mahaprabhu. Although we perceive in our mind our lack of qualification, our rascaldomness, at the same time we cannot avoid feeling attracted and greedy for your qualities. You are so merciful, so beautiful, so sweet. We feel longing for that. Although we know we are so fallen that we do not deserve that, but we need that. That's how grace, costless grace, the dynamics of costless grace work. And one example to finish this verse is given here in connection to the Krishna's mercy, how that operates, like a powerful medicine that is effective even on patients that are completely ignorant of its properties. The Lord Bhagavan's mercy acts on anyone who comes in touch with them, somehow or other, who says this here, feeling himself, how Krishna's mercy acting on him. Krishna's giving me such costless grace by giving the association of the Vrajavasis. Therefore, Krishna's mercy is acting like a very rare and most potent medicine, which is effective even if not swallowed and digested, but merely brought near the patient and smelled. So Uddhav is feeling the same. Krishna is bringing me close. I cannot swallow or digest this Brajabhas, this Brajaprem. This is too much for me. But Krishna is bringing me close to them, <clears throat> putting this medicine <clears throat> for me to be smelled, if you will. Even if I do not understand properly what's going on here, the glory of their love, their mercy, his mercy is such, Krishna is, Uddhav is thinking about his master, <clears throat> that he's given me this opportunity for being cured, and not only cured, but having a taste for this. So, some ideas of this verse. And with your permission, we will go to the very last verse of today, verse number 60. The third of these six verses of the Uddhav Gita to finish our meeting. Uddhav sings, Nayam Sriyangauni Tantarati Prasadam Svarjo Shitam Nalina Gandharu Chankutonya Rasatsavesya Bhuja Dandagrihita Kanta Labdasi Samjaudakat Brajasundari When Sri Krishna was dancing with the gopis in the Rasa Lila, the gopis were embraced by the arms of the Lord. This transcendental favor was never bestowed upon the gods of fortune or other concerts in the spiritual world. Indeed, never was such a thing even imagined by the most beautiful girls in the heavenly planets, whose bodily luster and aroma resembled the lotus flower. And what to speak of worldly women who are very beautiful according to material estimation. <clears throat> so this is a very nice verse. Again, all of these verses prove the supremacy of Gopi Bab from different angles of view, points of view. Here, in connection to the supremacy of Rasa Lila, how the Gopis were able to engage in that, how that established them even above Srimati Lakshmi Devi, the famous goddess of fortune, the most chaste lady, and the highest epitome of devotion to God, Narayan. What to speak of other ladies, the Devis and Swarga, 
materially this in this world and so on. So Sri Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, his Sarartha Darshini, makes a nice point speaking as Krishna about Krishna first. As the best of the avatars, of course Krishna is avatari, but also he's an avatar, he's descending. So Sri Krishna, the best of all avatars, he's existing of the highest platform of purity and morality, and thus he always remained praiseworthy by all, even while accepting worldly criticism for his cow tending, wandering in the forest, taking meals with young monkeys, stealing yogurt, and seducing other men's wives. So although his some of his behaviors may seem questionable by Assam, he still remains untouched by lack of morality. He remains in the highest platform of morality and even above that. So similarly to Krishna, the gopis, who are the essence of Krishna's Ladini Shakti, who are the Shakti of Shaktimam, they achieve the highest standard of purity and auspiciousness, even in comparison to that of the goddess of fortune. Even though it may seem questionable, again, their parakiya may seem totally criti crit uh, worthy of criticism by the eyes of whatever, Puritan views in society and so on. on. On top of that, their situation is totally beyond, beyond only the sense of morality. Although Lakshmi Devi, again, Lakshmi is a very important, powerful example in all Vedic literature, Lakshmi is praised and glorified that the highest, again, lady, the highest example of feminine devotion. And here Uddhav is establishing a very Gaudiya point. Radha and the gopis are above Lakshmi. That's a very powerful point. We have to know how to establish that with three Vaishnavas, as Mahaprabhu himself did, as we will see. So although Lakshmi is famous as being not only so chaste, but also so dear to Bhagavan, to Narayan, never leaving his feet, his chest, always serving him, she doesn't have the prem that the gopis have. Uddhav is making this point here. Uddhav himself is astonished by reaching such insight that he had not before. He's concluding, Mahalakshmi, the consort of Lord Naraya, she's famous as his beloved, he, Lakshmi Pati, he is, Sridhar and so on. But she cannot enjoy the same favor of Bhagavan in the same way as the gopis of Raj. He's making this example, Rasa Lila. She, Lakshmi is not participating in Rasa Lila. The gopis received that good fortune. So the supreme goddess of fortune is less fortunate than the gopis. Then what can be said of other ladies who are not the goddess of fortune? Devis of Swarga, so-called beautiful woman in this world, and so on. Which is a, a relative, con what is beautiful here is not beautiful there, and so on. So he's given this female hierarchy, if you will. Gopis, Lakshmi, Devis, and Swarga, woman from this plane. So the supreme goddess of fortune is not so fortunate, actually. So ultimately, the real goddess of fortune, as we know, is Sri Radha. She's the Adi Lakshmi. And Lakshmi, by confess, but an expansion of her. The gopis in Vrindavan are different Lakshmis. Jiva Goswami confirms this point. He says that having conquered all young women headed by Lakshmi, the gopis, who are the eternal consorts of Sri Krishna, are known as the greatest Lakshmi, Lakshmis. Sri Brahma himself established this point in his Brahma Samhita, Lakshmi Sahasra Sata Sambrahma Sebhyamahanam. In Brintavan, in Golok, we found hundreds and thousands of Lakshmis, the gopis, who are Sambrahma Sebhyamahanam, who are uh, possessed 
of a very unique service disposition that is not even found in Vaikuntha and Lakshmi. That's the main point. So here, this very Gaudiya point is there. Gopis, Radha, Arabobu, Lakshmi, which of course has to do with the same idea of Sri Krishna and Braj. Braj Krishna, the Gulag conception is about Narayan and Vaikuntha in terms of Rasa, in terms of Bhava. So Jiva Goswami again repeats, if that is so, if Lakshmi is the most chaste lady and the gopis are above Lakshmi, it means the gopis have to be even more chaste than Lakshmi, more pure. So accusations that the gopis had illicit connections must be, must be false. This criticism of the parakya is nonsense, Jiva Goswami implies. The infamy that the glories, the gopis received was only an arrangement to reveal their unrestricted prayer. Yoga Maya created this creates these dynamics in the Braj to show the ultimate glory of their unrestricted love. Haitukiya Pratihata. Parakia in particular with all these obstacles that it has to have. Different obstacles, it has to be high hidden and so many things, forbidden love if you will, that actually helps to show the glory and purity and integrity of their prayer. And again, especially this verse the supreme position of the gopis is highlighted, established, in that they achieved the rare mercy of being embraced around their necks by the arms of Krishna during the Rasa Lila. A very unique favor that Lakshmi did not attain. This statement also implies that among all auspicious events, Rasa Lila is the most excellent. In the Rasa Lila, which is the apex, the climate of the Bhagavad, basically, the ultimate converging point in terms of rasa. At the same time, it shows the highest degree of achievement by the gopis, the position of Sharad in particular. So the fact that the gopis and not Lakshmi were the ones participating in Rasa Lila shows the gopis' security to her. And we know the famous story that is mentioned briefly, in the, hinted at in the Bhagavata and other Bhakti Shastras. Lakshmi wanted to attain Rasa Lila, Krishna and the Rasa Lila, but he, she was not able to do so. So I will finish briefly sharing this story that mostly all of you know, but Anantakatara Sasya. We should develop uh, <clears throat> unquenched thirst for continuing hearing this past and same past time, which are never the same over and over again. So this has to do with Mahaprabhu also going to South India, visiting Venkatabhata, the head priest of the of Rangaji, Rangam Temple, Sri Sampradaya, and asking him in a jolly mood, why, why it is that Lakshmi wanted to join Krishna and leave Narayan, his lord and master, and, and wanted to enter Rasa Lila? Is that not a fault in, this, in her chastity? And of course, uh, Bhikkata said, no, there is no fault because between Krishna and Narayan there is no difference in Tattva. Metaphysical truth, they are the same person. The only difference is according to Bhava, emotional disposition. So she's not going to someone else. So Mahaprabhu said, that's perfect, great, nice. But why she was not able to access the Rasalina? Why she, she didn't succeed? So Benkata didn't know what to say. He said, only someone who can ask such a question can reply to that. So the story, of course, as we know, is that Lakshmi, and as my Guru Maharaj used to tell it, Lakshmi is performing stream to pass in Belvan. She's the royal lady per excellence, the standard of of imperial and royal standards in Vaikuntha, majestic lady, queen, wearing silk sari, everything is cooked in ghee, whatever she is, but now he's using a, a totally 
not very nice white sari, old sari, eating roots and grass and fruits from the forest. So Krishna sees her and says, Lakshmi, what are you doing in such disposition here? She says, I am executing tapas in order to gain some merit, some credit, some supriti, so I can enter your rasa lila. And Krishna says, but that's not the process. That's not the sadhana for accessing there. So she inquires, so what's the practice for entering rasa lila? And to Lakshmi's dismay, Sri Krishna says, well, first of all, you have to leave Narayan, your, your husband. Then you have to enter Braj, marry one gopa there, Brajavasi, leave that second husband, and then join me in Parakiya for the Rasa lead. So, of course, for Lakshmi's Abhiman or sense of being, this was too much. She was not able to conceive the first stage of the whole process, leaving Narayan. What to speak of having another husband, leaving that husband, joining Krishna in Rasa Lila. So, to say that she was not able to embrace that instruction, which has to do with threading the path of Raga Mark, Raga Nuga Bhakti, is about following the footsteps of the Brajavasis. And therefore, to this day, she, it is said that she still remains in Belva, practicing tapasya without ever having the chance of entering Rasalil. In other words, this story also wants to make this point. There is a very particular, specific way of entering this very particular and specific goal called Madhurya Bhav, this particular specific Lila called Rasalila. It's not just, just whatever you do, whatever you like, and you are there. No, there is a particular way, and if you are not willing to follow that way, you won't end up being there. So we shouldn't be naive thinking, I, I do whatever I like without becoming too specific in my sadhana, and I will reach that ultimate converging point which is too specific called Rasa Lila, whatever, and the Lila. No, we have to become specific ourselves to reach such a specific goal. So in this way, Rasa Lila is praised and the gopis are praised in contrast in comparison with Lakshmi. So this is the third verse of this uh, Udav Gita. So in these three last, three first verses, we have seen Udav is praising, again, ecstatically crying, falling to the ground like a drunk word, the position of the gopis first by stating they have attained the ultimate potential of every attainment possible in human life, which is hungered by all great personalities, those who are liberated, those who hunger for liberation, ourselves, for someone who has such a taste, what's the use of being born as Brahma or whatever. And even though the copies seem to be corrupted by deviation, adulterous woman, actually the so-called adultery is the highest goal to be attained. And I am receiving the mercy of associating with them by Krishna's costless grace, who is showing his grace like a powerful medicine, even though I do not understand too much what's going on. He's putting me close to them and by smelling that and being cured and awakened. And here in this last verse, third verse, last for today, Uddhava is praising the gopis and the Rasa Lila in comparison to Lakshmi as the highest Lila and, and themselves as the highest Lakshmi attaining something which the goddess of fortune herself could not attain. So I will finish here today. Sorry for my extension. Um, in the next class, we will continue studying the three remaining verses, and of course, some other sections of the Bhagavatam, but the three remaining verses from the Udav Gita as well. And as we are recording this meeting, and I will continue recording them till the end of our series in this case, there, unfortunately, I have no chance of receiving live your questions, but if you have any questions, you can share them in the Tatva Vivek forum or in the different places where I will be sharing this video online, and we can continue speaking along the week. So thank you so much for your time and presence and patience as usual. See you next week. 
and offer, I offer my pranab ending this session like Udavas did before leaving Raj, putting his head to the ground, to the last feet of the gopis. Who is Harikata, so powerful that has the potential of purifying the entire world? So we pray having that hope in our hearts. Bandinanda Brajasinam Padarinuna Bhikshnasaja Samaharikatod Gitam Punati Bhunatri. Srila Gurudev Ki Jai, Sriman Mahaprabhu Ki Jai, Sri Harinam Sankirtan Ki Jai, Grantara Sriman Bhagavatan Ki Jai, Sri Brahma Gita Ki Jai, Gaur Bhakta Vrinda Ki Jai, Gaur Praman Dharivur.